0: Welcome to StoryWise, the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am a story consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy designed to help you accomplish your writing goals and reach your career destination through one-on-one consults, seminars, and teleseminars. And I am absolutely beyond thrilled to have with me as my guest today, Uh, Richard Walter. Let me tell you a little bit about this guru. Richard Walter is a celebrated storytelling guru, movie industry expert, and longtime chairman of UCLA's legendary graduate program in screenwriting. A screenwriter and published novelist, his latest book, Essentials of Screenwriting, I Love, is available in stores now. His previous Previously published works include the novels Escape from Film School and Barry and the Persuasions, and screenwriting books The Whole Picture, Strategies for Screenwriting Success in the New Hollywood, and Screenwriting, The Art, Craft, and Business of Film and Television Writing. He has written numerous feature assignments for the major studios and has sold material to all three networks. He has also written many information educational and corporate films Richard lectures on screenwriting and storytelling throughout North America and the world he has conducted master classes in London Paris Jerusalem Madrid Rio de Janeiro Mexico City Beijing Sydney and Hong Kong Students from Richard's Screenwriting Program at UCLA have written more than 10 projects for Steven Spielberg alone, plus dozens of other Hollywood blockbusters and prestigious indie productions, including three recent Oscar winners for Best Screenplay, The Descendants, Milk, and Sideways. Richard is a widely viewed pop culture critic and media pundit who has appeared multiple times on the Today Show, The O'Reilly Factor, Hardball, ABC Prime Time, Scarborough Country, CBS News Nightwatch, NPR, KABC Talk Radio, and numerous independent television and radio stations. More than a hundred newspapers and magazine articles have described his work and the program he directs at UCLA. In addition to his stature in the media and academic world as a writer of substantial professional experience, Richard is also a leading expert in intellectual property litigation. For more information and to order new Essentials of Screenwriting, visit www.richardwalter.com. Contact Professor Walter at rwalter at tft.ucla.edu if you would like to subscribe to his monthly screenwriting tips newsletter. Wow.
1: Wow, indeed. I, uh, <laughs> who was that guy you just described? I know, Isn't Sounds that wild? Like... When you hear it, you're just going,
0: oh, that's that, that stuff that I did. Isn't that wild? Wow, it... I, I mean, I am so amazed at your body of work and so... I love that you I love that you know the writing aspect of it and the success in writing, as well as the analytical aspect of it because it's such a different side of the brain. And, and that you've gone all over the world uh, teaching, which I, I just think is absolutely phenomenal. I, you know, definitely is something that I would love to see. So I am absolutely thrilled to be doing this interview with you. Um, so first of all, I would love to start with if you were to narrow down all the things that you teach about story to three of the most important tips, what would they be?
1: Well, story, story, story. I mean, it's really all about story. People uh, pay much too much attention to uh, ideas, first of all, Um, and it's painful to for some people to hear this, but ideas are pretty useless, they're pretty worthless. I, interesting. Um, you know, you just described my life and it is a, a, a blessed life. Right. They say you can't have it all, but I feel like I have it all. I yeah. have a, a good family life. Uh, our daughter, I, I might have mentioned to you before we went on the air, uh, is going to be married on Saturday. Yay. I can't believe my, my good fortune. Um, and then my situation at UCLA and, and being a writer myself, uh, living a creative life and doing work that I love. It is a blessing, and it's a rare one, and, and it's never lost on me how how lucky I am. The downside to my life is that everybody wants to tell me their idea for a movie. Hey, Richie, I got a great idea yes. for a movie. And um, the problem is that when you have a great idea for a movie, a really, really great idea for a movie, that's all you've got. Right. What else do you need? You need everything. You need the uh, events and the anecdotes and the incidents, the stuff of the story. Mm-hmm. What happens and the characters to uh, uh, fill that uh, dialogue that they speak, which has to be fun and punchy and peppy and perky and worth listening to all for itself. But it can't be all for itself. Beyond that, it also has to move the story forward and expand uh, audiences' appreciation of the characters. So it's a a tall order, and it is a lot of work. So what I hammer on when people ask me questions like you just asked me is really story. right? if you uh, and again character, it's funny. Somebody was uh, there was a debate going on. What's more important, uh, story or character? It's
0: a good debate. And that
1: strikes me as uh, a, a question like, what's more important, your heart or your lungs? You right. Know, they they're useless and worthless without each other. I mean, what right. is, what is a story? other than the sum total of what the characters say and, and what they do. Right. Um, and who are the characters other than what they are and, and, and uh, you know, what—that that is to say what they do and what they say, that really describes who they are. Right. The richest character... I would say, unarguably, in all of English language dramatic literature and possibly all of world dramatic literature, I think most people would agree if they thought about it for a moment or two, it would be Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Um, My goodness, uh, libraries full of of arguments and discussions regarding various aspects of of, uh, the character and the play. Right. Um, It's interesting to look at the playwright's description of Hamlet. And it is three words: Prince of Denmark. That's it. There's nothing about melancholy, for example. So where does all of this Hamlet come from? And and the answer is what he does and what he says inside the context of the play. So I would say the most important thing it. is story. You can tell an idea uh, for a movie in a moment, but to tell the story is another matter. Right. I'll give you an example of. Here, here's the worst idea I've ever heard, and I promise you will never hear a worse idea for a movie than this one. And right. He, here it is. Um, it's appropriate to, I have to say, because our daughter who's getting married is a speech uh, therapist. Right. Um, a man has a stutter, but he has to give a speech. So he hires a speech therapist, and they work on the speech together, and then he gives the speech. If, if somebody told you that as an idea for a movie, you'd say that, you know, that's a terrible idea. If, if that person went on to say, I think that this movie will actually uh, win a best... Uh, Screenplay Oscar and the Best Movie Oscar, they they think you know crank up the lithium on this guy's drip. He's, right, he's deranged, right. you know? and of course that is last year's. I know, winning, I'm a huge fan of that script. So yeah. um, it's not about the idea; it's about it's about the story. The three most important things are story, story, story. Everything comes out of story.
0: Right, and I I love that. I mean, I think it's interesting when you presented it like that because it's like. That's the bare bones of the idea. And then certainly when you add the stakes of who it is that has the stutter and what's at stake, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if he doesn't learn how to speak well and add the emotion to that, then suddenly it becomes a whole different story.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So
0: I love what you did with that. I thought that was a great example. Thank you. Uh, And I have to say, you know, like that script, I look at that, I've gone through that script and I'm like, for me, that script I think is so incredible. Incredibly well developed, mm-hmm. you know, just amazing. Also, to note me.
1: that it was the—it's the first effort by a man I know. north of seventy years yes, old. I agree. He also uh, uh, has been sitting on it for about uh, twenty years. I heard that. Uh, and writers come up to me and say, "You know, it's already been two months." Uh, right. <laughs> and, and you're uh, like, "Give it time." I've <laughs> been at this now, uh, you know, for close to a year. Right. Like, you know, please. You know, uh, I mean it. It really takes a lot of time. It does. And um, that's what I think defeats uh, writers. I, one of my uh, very, very famous students is David Kep. Right. K O E P P. Right. He's so famous now that people actually pronounce his name correctly. Right. Oh, I uh, love it. And David, you know, David wrote a uh, the, the couple of du- the Jurassic Park pictures right. and uh, Spider Man and, and uh, on and on and right. on and on. Right. Um Panic Room. Um, oh, I love it. Uh, War of the War of the Worlds was another picture that he did for Stephen. Right. Um, and David told me that the secret <laughs> secret of his success is seventeen drafts that he can tolerate. Seventeen drafts. Wow. And people will come to me with a, a second draft or even a first draft. You know, can we show this around now? Do you think? Right. And, the answer is no, right. uh, And that you uh, to... the biggest mistake writers make is um, we write too much, right? Their movies are too long. Uh, there's too much dialogue. There's too much description. Um, there's too much stuff that isn't integrated. That doesn't actually drive story and and expand character. That just there sort of for for its own sake and it right. can't be there for its own sake. It has to be. I argue.
0: Serving a in, purpose. In, and yeah. the purpose
1: is story. It's has yep. to serve the story. Yep. Um, and uh, so that's the biggest mistake we write. We write too much. Right. The next mistake we make most commonly is we show our work before it's really ready. Right. And, uh, you know, you can uh, you really only get one shot with each script. Right. If, if, you, if a script doesn't take off, you... You can still try another script, and you should. Right. But um, uh, once it's been exposed, uh, you know it's old news because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's what it is. Yes. So uh, that's a, a major mistake writers make. And again, they they just they just finished this draft. It's the third or the fourth draft, and they won't take the time to back up. Wait a minute. Yes. Sit on it. I uh, agree They with just you. want to show it right right away. And that inevitably is followed by trying to get the script back. Oh, I, just, I thought of a new angle here. I want to change this. Well, why did you send it to me? Me being a producer or an agent whom you're hoping will either produce it or represent it and so on. So those are uh, are connected to yes. the three things that you, sh- you should do. The uh, the two things you shouldn't do is write too much. Right. But really, there's no way to avoid that in early drafts. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with that either. Right. But, uh, but that's
0: how you learn. I mean, exactly. and I think... Like, for you, if you were to go back to the beginning, uh, so w- writing was the initial pursuit before everything else happened. Is that correct?
1: Well, it's funny. I came to California, I thought. I'm a New Yorker. I, okay. I grew up in Queens, and I came to California, I thought, for uh, three weeks in 1966. right. Uh, I've decided I'm going to give it another 47 years here in California. It still hasn't worked out to me back to the apple, you know. Right. Uh, I fell into film school not at UCLA but at uh, at USC.
0: Uh-huh. And I went to USC.
1: It was Well, it was yeah. a magic time there. It was the Lucas era. My, Great. Uh, uh, George, I'm sure, refers to it as the Walter era. Right. Just kidding, just kidding. Right. Um, I love but it. But at that time, there was no tradition as there is today of but- people moving from the Uh, from the academic community into the professional community. It was kind of a dead-end film school unless you wanted to become an usher in a movie theater, I suppose. And that's a very different scene from today. Today, the the, uh, uh, number one way into the business is to go to one of the big... Film schools right. our own at UCLA, my alma mater, USC, yes. NYU is very good. But there are other very, very good film schools and yes. film programs. Wait, and where
0: did Sorkin get Syracuse? Syracuse has I actually on, yes. got
1: my master's at Newhouse at Syracuse. Oh, great. Yeah, great. Before I came to LA, that's where I was uh, as a graduate student at Syracuse. That's great. At the Newhouse School of Communications. Yeah. Um, and Aaron, Aaron was there at a, at a, a little later than, than I. Right. But it was at a, uh, I, out of USC film school, I found myself writing, uh, making a good living at it, working uh, feature assignments for the majors, uh, most of the movie's not getting made, although that's the, uh, the, the, the experience of, of even very, yes. very, 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 very famous writers. Right. Um, but I was making more money than I needed. Right. And um, That's a gift. My <laughs> first novel had just been published, and it had led to a lot of film work. Um, it had been—the uh, film rights were bought by a major studio. I was writing the adaptation assignment when I happened to go— Kind of reluctantly to a uh, party in Malibu, a big showbiz mm-hmm. uh, party. And I sort of grew up in showbiz, really, in the music business. And it's not that exciting for me as it is for some people to rub shoulders with celebrities. I'm, maybe I'm just inured to it. I'm, no, I'm, I'm with you. To I'm it. with you. But um, my wife said, you know, uh, uh, he the host of this party. He's been so supportive of your career. And, uh, you know, he's such an old fuddy-duddy. He's going to feel snubbed. We didn't go last time. So we dragged ourselves out there. And as I walked in the door, I was suddenly being invited. Oh, uh, this is the guy I was telling you about. And I was being invited to uh, join the faculty at UCLA. Oh,
0: wow. And I had
1: no interest in uh, I didn't need a job. I was very busy uh, on assignments. Um, I had more money than I needed. But just like I would tell my kids, When eventually I had children, um, you don't have to eat the whole thing, just taste it. It seemed to me I I had to uh, uh, at least try it. And I I loved it immediately because of the students, the interaction with students. uh, It makes us better writers. And UCLA, which is a research institution as opposed to a teaching institution, means that Faculty like me, our first obligation is not our teaching. That's our second obligation. Our first he- obligation is our own writing. Right. So um, it's not that they
0: that's great uh,
1: re- uh, tolerate us having outside re- careers, but require us to do that. So I could really have all of that, and I right. can't believe that it's, you know, thir- <laughs> this is my 36th year. I think um, on on campus. Wow. Uh, but the two lessons out of out of this, Jen, I think are. Uh, important uh, one, if I can remember them. One of them is um, oh yeah, one is guilt. Right. Um, people uh, will tell you get rid of guilt if you want to succeed. Right. Uh, and I say guilt is your friend. Uh, uh-huh. Hold it close to you. It was guilt that uh, got me out to the beach in Malibu for that party that I was reluctant to go to, and guilt that made me go to UCLA and, and explore a new opportunity. And what a blessing that has proven in in my, in my life, in my professional life. That's by far the most extraordinary and wonderful thing that's happened to me. Oh, but the other thing is that, that if you think about that experience, uh, it gives the lie to another principle that everybody preaches. at right. screenwriting seminars at how to succeed in your love life seminars, at um, uh, how to succeed in business seminars, and that is focus. Mm-hmm. I, now, I am an experienced public speaker, and I'm mm-hmm. a trained actor, and I can say this very convincingly and I am going to say this very convincingly, but it's a lie, it's the opposite of what I believe. But even though I've told you that, it's gonna sound so reasonable, you'll be nodding, yeah, that makes sense, and here it is. If you want to succeed in a very competitive enterprise and what's more competitive than than screenwriting, uh, you've gotta focus, you have to have clear goals, you can't be given over to distractions, Mm -hmm. Um, you gotta really home in on the target, and I will tell you that is nonsense. The truth is, and my life is testimony to that. Uh, it's the distractions that really pay off in, an, in a life narrative like my yes. own, uh, but also in a, uh, a you know, dramatic narrative like a, like a film story. I never I, I have a lot of experience as a writer. Lord knows the Wall Street Journal calls me a much experienced writer, right? Um, and I have worked in uh, every form and platform and, and format and those are just the forms. Um, but my own experience is leveraged by the, uh, writers I've worked with very closely on campus and in the community. I do a lot of consulting with writers. Many of them have deals at studios and they want me to ask the hard questions before the studio asks them. Right. Uh, even before they submit to their agent, they say, Richie, read this and, and tell me what you think. And they pay me a good, good fee for that. Um, the, uh. The truth is that no writer that I've ever known, and I've no, it's my privilege to have known some hugely successful uh very very famous very, very rich writers. I don't know any of them who hasn't been surprised by twists and turns in the in mm-hmm. the plot, by lines of dialogue that seem to emerge from a character surprisingly by uh without any design on the part of the writer. yeah, um by aspects of the uh of the character. Uh, that they hadn't really planned. I had Neil Simon come to class to discuss uh, uh, comedy writing. Imagine that I could pronounce that truthfully. How how fortunate I am to to have done things like this. And I remember asking Neil, um, do you uh, laugh at your own jokes? Yeah. And he said, sure, I do, the first time I hear them. Right. And I loved the notion that he hears the jokes as if the characters tell them those jokes. Now, I I know a lot of comedy writers... Uh, it's funny. My own sister is a well-known actor, Jessica Walter. She's, oh, yeah, of course. She is right now in the yeah. uh, resurrected uh, Arrested Development. That's Great. One, of, one of two series she's on. I can't uh, resist bragging that yesterday, another series she's on, um, an animated series that she right. does the voice for, yeah, yeah. called Archer, yeah. was just um, uh, nominated for um, uh, Best... Uh, Animated series on, on television. That's right. Congrats
0: at, to her. At
1: the, uh, uh, there was a huge Hollywood uh, uh, premiere at the Chinese Theater on Hollywood Boulevard in which they ran two episodes of, um, uh, the, uh, of Arrested Development. And then across the street at the Ro- Hollywood Roosevelt, they had a big splashy party, uh, really, really upscale Hollywood release kind of a party. And there were several of my students... Um, former students who are working on Arrested Development and, and uh, helping to, you know, helping to write it, helping to produce and, and to guide it and, and so on. That's great. And all of them will tell you that uh, the, uh, they don't really plan out the, the stuff as much as they, they sort of discover it, discover it, discover it take yeah. the cover off and kind of find something that's it's sort of already there,
0: but I think that is. I mean, on that note, that that's almost like I think when a writer, and I think it happens for everybody at different points in their life, um, comes into their voice. I think is when they are able to trust the instinct of what is coming through yes. them. and and with you, what would you? At, at what point would you say in your own writing? Did you feel like you had something to say and you were really starting to hear your own voice?
1: Well, that's a wonderful question. Uh, I, I would say it was in my uh, uh, first novel. Mm-hmm. I want to qualify that to say that the novel, which you referred to earlier, Marianne, The Persuasions, right. uh, which is a kind of a New York coming-of-age uh, doo story set right. in the, uh, you know, like 1959 or 1958 about some kids trying to make a— a, uh, a record. Uh, they're a, a, a vocal group,
0: uh-huh. and they
1: don't really succeed. But uh, they learn that to, to sing in harmony is to live in harmony. Um, I originally presented that as a, a movie proposal, and I got a tremendous amount of enthusiasm uh, and affirmation and acclamation. What I never got was a, there was a nickel for it. Um, and finally, uh, uh, there was a strike. And I decided to write it, and so you couldn't market to Hollywood. Um, you couldn't market screenplay. So I decided to use it as a an outline for a novel, and it was writing that um, where I could really hear myself, um, and it was my own milieu where I had grown up in in uh, Manhattan and Queens. Right. And uh, that's the first time I really, really heard my own inflection and my own intonation. And let me just let me just say that. Um, that was ultimately, uh, after it became a novel, it was sold to a major studio. Uh, the film rights were, were purchased by, uh, by Warner Brothers. Um, I also got the adaptation assignment. Uh, the movie remains to be made, but I made good money on it and had good experiences with it. And even today, as we're sitting here in 2013, 40 years after I originally uh, kind of sketched out the concept Uh, When I was um, barely still a a student at USC, I'm in business with that again, as I I was inspired by Jersey Boys to turn it into a stage musical, a jukebox musical using existing tunes and so on. And there are agents interested in it. And I've had some feelers from producers, uh, uh, probably nothing will come of it. Um, But possibly something, well, the point or the reason I mention it is all of these years later, I'm still in Mm -hmm. business with this notion. And too many writers, something, they write a script that doesn't sell, they think it's over, but it's not over. It's just the the end of it, as you pointed out with with, uh, 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 King's Speech. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think, well, and it was fascinating to me to know the number of years. Mad Men, same thing. Mm -hmm. Mad Men was eight years. From the time he wrote it to the time it got produced, you know. Clint
1: uh, Eastwood made, uh, the, what's the one about the man who, um, oh, well, it won the Oscar for Best Picture Best Screenplay. I know. It... Uh, Unforgiven. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and
1: that was sitting around for 20 years. Yeah. He made another film, Clint, uh, about the man in the line of fire, the yeah. guy who takes the, the bullet for the president. Yeah. That also, that writer had been in town 12 years with that script and was yeah. packing the car to go back to New Hampshire when... Paso yes. company called so uh it it's really, a journey it, you
0: have to it know is, it's and time it's,
1: it's a it's yeah. it is the journey and it's yeah. and what's needed for the journey is second of all talent but first of all discipline yes and discipline really means time it, yes how, how much time are you willing to put in just kind of like love
0: mm-hmm. Do you
1: love your partner how much time are you willing to give to that partner you yes. love your child how much time do you give to the child that's the real measure of it. and you love your work as an artist how much time are you willing to give I that i'm that. done with this and i, I wash my hands great. of it okay but yeah. but you're you're not going to be a professional if you do that
0: but you're right it does come down to discipline i think discipline equal equates to success at all levels of life yes yeah.
1: absolutely so yeah uh, i think
0: now in looking at to like say the story arc of your own life if you were to think where you started as an artist and where you are now and after you've taught everything you have, like how does your, your worldview differ in the way that you approach writing?
1: There's really only one thing that's different, and mm-hmm. it's what we've already discussed. I now am better at staying open to the surprises. Mm-hmm. And even though I think it's important to outline, I now that I'm more mature to be polite about it. Um, do more outlining in my head and less on the page Yeah. but I think you have to really have an outline and then you have to throw away that outline Yes. and um, the biggest mistake you can make or a, certainly a, a, a big mistake to make is to see it running off the rails and try to bring it back to where you thought it might be uh, you know when you were conceiving it months earlier forget months earlier um, if you're not surprised by what happens in it, the audience isn't going to be surprised. Right. Um, what bothers me about Hollywood today, especially with the studios and um, uh, the franchises and everything being a, a new chapter in an old uh, franchise and nobody want to do original stuff, is that audiences get what they expect. Yeah. But I don't want what I expect. I yes. want my expectations to be exceeded. I yeah. want to be surprised. I want to have my life turned upside down. And I'll I tell agree, you where agree. that happens yeah. for me is in cable yep. uh, and, mm-hmm. and on Netflix. My wife and I have just discovered um, years late, we finally, uh, we're now into season three of, of Breaking Bad. Yes. Now, again, talk about ideas. Yes. What well, could be a worse idea than a chemistry teacher, a high school teacher? Uh, gets a uh, uh, lethal diagnosis of lung cancer. and so he goes into business as a meth manufacturer uh, with a former incorrigible student who knows the meth business. He'll do the. Ca- I mean, stop, you know how right. did they even let that? And yet it, when we saw the, the pilot, the first episode, I, I just fell to the floor. Yeah. Um, and we are completely engaged by it. Week after week, we, we yep. resist binging on it because yeah. we're doing it on Netflix now. Um, the uh, uh, where have I seen in a movie theater anything that's ten percent the value yeah. of, um, of I an episode think, of, of, I agree of with Breaking totally. Bad? The Sopranos. Yeah. Mad, Mad Men. Men. You mentioned. Yeah. Um, have uh, you
0: seen the new series? Rectify is great too. I,
1: I hear yeah. it's good. I have not yeah. seen it. It's on my list. It's on yeah. my, my queue.
0: No, and but House of Cards. Is, House of Cards, yeah. I
1: thought, was somewhat overappreciated, right. but worth watching. Yes. Well, how about Homeland? Yeah, my Homeland. God. Homeland,
0: I, in my opinion, Homeland was probably the best first season of television ever done.
1: Astonishing, yeah. astonishing. Yeah. I mean, uh, and again, the beautiful thing about it is there's no waste. Everything yeah. that happens in it is used to drive I totally the plot. agree with you. It's that, not just yeah. about texture and tone and and, and yeah. uh, production value. Yeah. So those are important. Uh, first of all, it's about what these people do. You notice in the beginning of Homeland that there's something wrong with Carrie. Why is is uh, Claire Danes playing it this way with the eyes, and and then you realize, wait a minute, she has this mental issue and it's part of that. Yeah. You look at uh, uh, Breaking Bad and there's that eyeball um, from a, from a, a... You know, a teddy bear, teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how they pick that up and draw and drop it and pick it up again and drive the story with mm-hmm. it. That takes discipline to keep track of all of that yes. stuff. It's much easier to just kind of have wacky, crazy images and yeah. and oh look at that and some guy ranting and raving and and so much more difficult to yeah. actually have uh, a story where right. everything has a purpose and again that purpose is driving the story forward that's hard work
0: do you know it's interesting um uh, there were two things two uh, programs that, one is uh, have you seen luther on the bbc i've that's heard good things probably about it. the best first hour of uh-huh. tv i've ever seen that is wow that's something. gotta see it yeah and then um star trek i just saw and i have to say what we're all with j.j abrams is it's everything you just talked about where I felt like it was two hours and three minutes. He used every single piece of real estate to move plot forward. Mm-hmm. And it was so good and so enthralling. And I I, I loved the first version uh, that he did as well that I thought was so emotional and compelling and amazing. And. And it is a fascinating thing to me because I think part of the problem, in my opinion, feature world right now is most of them are twenty to thirty minutes too
1: long. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, s- they know? are. Yeah, absolutely, they are. Yeah, they should be a hundred minutes, an hour mm-hmm. and forty minutes. Is that's the yep. the time of a ball game. Yeah, uh, that's the time of a uh, religious uh, service. Uh, yeah, there's something human about that. But I I believe it's the narcissism of directors. Right. Uh, They just won't get off the stage. They're just showing off constantly. Yeah. A student said to me, a young student, an undergraduate, um, not long ago, uh, in a discussion among a bunch of people uh, that uh, referring to a particular director, she said, and I quote, she loves the way he moves the camera. And I thought to myself, I don't know who the director is, and I don't know what the movie is, but I know it's a bad director and a bad movie if she noticed the way he moves the camera. Right. I'd also go on further to say that um, what she's really doing, I wouldn't say this to her, we're very friendly at our our campus and we don't like to hurt feelings, but, um, well, it's quite... Contrary, in a lot of arts institutions, it's about beating up on the artists and dragging them down. We're not that way. Um, but I would say if we were that way, I'd say you're just making cocktail party chatter that makes you seem sophisticated. Ooh, how insightful and observant you are. You notice the way he moves the camera. I say again, if you notice the way he moves the camera... He's moving the camera too much. He's calling attention to himself. We're supposed to be invisible. Right. Uh, There was a campaign the Writers Guild had some years ago. I'm sure you saw the posters, the billboards around town. They would have a line, a very famous line of dialogue from a movie. Right. Um, Nobody's perfect, the last line of uh, Some Like It Hot, for example. And um, uh, you had me at hello, you know. From from uh, what was what was the movie with Tom with Tom Cruise, Um, Um, the the uh, uh, the point is though that um, the those uh, uh, they would have that on a billboard and then they would have a a legend saying a writer wrote that yeah trying to remind you you mean like
0: you enhance me Uh, what was the the line in the Tom Cruise movie that became so big was that the movie yeah
1: isn't that the the one we're talking about yes. Uh,
0: Joel, do you remember the name of that? uh, You Complete Me? Yeah, yeah, the one You Complete Uh, Me. uh, I know, it's a sports movie. I mean, not a... um, well... Jerry Maguire. Yes. There we go. There we go.
1: Jerry Maguire. Right, that's that's the one, Show Me the Money. Yeah, uh,
0: Show Me the Money. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: The thing of it is that uh, um, if I were a writer who were leaving a movie theater and somebody around me said, oh, that Tom Cruise, he always knows just what to say. I would be thrilled to, right. uh, 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 instead of annoyed, doesn't he know that a writer wrote that? I wrote that. Hey, excuse me, buddy, I wrote. No, the the, the fact that somebody thought it emerged spontaneously from the character, yeah. uh, that's testimony to the great skill of the writer. That's right. something writers should rejoice in, yeah. you know, not uh, deplore.
0: So you think, in which I think, Probably because in the director realm, I mean, in the feature realm, the director is definitely seen more as the dominant. Well, part absolutely, of the this is a
1: plague on yeah. movies. Yeah, since really the French, uh, there is a uh, a French um journal called Cahiers de Cinema, means Cinema Notebook or something like right. that, and they would take these obscure. Um, uh, directors who were good at imaging. Uh, they, could, they could make sexy images and so on, but they weren't writers. They didn't have the discipline to actually tell a story. Right. I'm talking about Jean-Luc Godard. Right. Uh, Alan René, mm-hmm. uh, people like, like that. Uh, and um, people would pretend. I'm in a position where I travel all around the world, all around the nation and the world, and kind of give people permission to admit, and they do, Right. But they've been pretending to like movies that they really didn't like right. that much. you know. Because yeah. I, I mean, I used to do that myself when I yeah. was much, much younger. I felt so out of it. I didn't get it. I, was, I heard so much about this and it's boring. So I would not want to appear unsophisticated and yeah. pretend that I liked it. And I think that's really destructive. Well,
0: um, and I think if you think about if we think about th- you brought up earlier with cable, because cable has been so brilliant and the storytelling, in my opinion, probably over the last five years has far surpassed the storytelling in the feature world, from what's getting produced. Mm -hmm. It's like now when I think about how many times I go to the movies a year, I maybe see three to five movies before the end of the year when all the Oscar nominees come out. That's so different than Mm -hmm. it used to be. Mm -hmm. Because I used to love going to the movies, but because there have not been... Great movies being produced, and they save whatever is phenomenal until the end of the year. I it's, expect
1: to be yeah. disappointed yeah. now, and yeah. uh, and we go quite rarely. The yeah. the uh, Academy and the guilds send us the screeners, and we uh, we try them out on the flat screen at home, right? And it's much less painful. I don't. Yes. I don't mind the the ticket price. Um I'm not looking to save th- God is good I'm not rolling in dough but I can afford you know an upscale right. movie seat for right. me and my wife and if our children are willing to spend any time with us they're right. people now. Right. Um but uh I don't want to I don't yeah. I don't want to see the fourth chapter of some yes. franchise. I, yeah. I want to see the next episode of uh no, I am Breaking heard. Bad. Yeah. You know, last night we, yeah. <laughs> we saw the, you know, uh, uh, Jesse. Gilligan by, is loving
0: uh, you. <laughs> he's just bought
1: his new, uh, his parents' own house. Yes. You know, and I'm dying to know what happens next. Yes. And we're resisting, you know, staying up all night watching one after the next. Yeah. Um, but why, interesting question, why do I care? I know that that's an actor. It's not Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. The whole thing is made up. Uh, why do I care so much about it, but... Uh, and the answer is, there's great, Vince, yeah. McG- Vince Gilligan's a yeah. genius, that's yeah. why. Exactly. And he's able to make a film about someone who is so different from me, and yet it is who I am at the same time. Yes. Like Tony Soprano, you yeah. know, I'm a Jewish kid from Queens, uh, he's an Italian, you know, I'm the son of a, of a very well-known musician, and, and a lot of uh, artists, and dancers, and actors, and... Uh, musical performers in, in my family. And Tony Soprano is a mob boss Italian from New Jersey. Yeah. Um, and yet he has the same struggles with his wife that I have yep. with my wife that everybody has with, with everybody's yes. partner. I, he has the same arguments with his adolescent children that I had with my kids. Yes. And so instead of feeling separated from these people, instead of feeling walled off and isolated from them, we feel connected to yeah. them. Yeah. And that's what really pays. That's what really moves audiences uh, in, in, including villains yes. bad guys yeah um, if there's something uh, again uh, people talk about save the cat i heard pet the dog little right. you know the point is there's something in this uh, yes. no, nobody emerges uh, full blown in a religious vision from the from the head of zeus we all are handed in life the baggage that we're we're handed and that yeah. we have to carry and um, we uh, relate to people who have baggage mm-hmm. and— Because and, uh, it
0: makes us feel less alone. It I makes mean, us
1: feel less alone, and it, and it makes us feel what we are. We're just human.
0: And vulnerable. Like, I, when you talked about The Sopranos, I still remember— the scene with tony fighting with his wife toward the end of the very end of the series it might have been the finale i still remember being mesmerized by she said everything people would think but never say and she said- Said it and there was mm-hmm. such a relief in knowing if you'd been married or divorced or anything else, or these thoughts had gone through your mind. And she well, had she had the courage to say it.
1: This is what yeah. happens when great acting yeah. smashes into great writing. Yeah. and the director stays out of the way. And yeah, this, if you notice in those series, uh, the like Gilligan, like David yeah. Chase. They're in charge. It's the directors yes. who are for hire. You're right. Because it's really not That's the writer in charge. It's the producer. Yeah. My old classmate George Lucas uh, established that after the first Star Wars right. in 77. He didn't direct again for almost 30 years. He didn't right. take a writing credit. Right. Um, so he had no further mark on popular culture. Oh, no. He had, who had more of a, of a impression uh, and an effect on culture than the, all around the world than George Lucas, Yes. but he did it as producer. Yeah. And writers in TV are, and producers in TV are writers, and writers are producers, and and that's why it's so good.
0: Yeah, it is the difference. Now I love is the that you bring that right up.
1: Now. This is the golden age of of television. I agree. And I'll also say this: this is uh, the best time to get into the movie business. There's never been a. A better time. Um, You know, when I came to town, there were three networks and seven studios. Now, uh, my own sister had series simultaneously. Uh, Even now, as we speak, she has two on the air. One is on Netflix. Right. One is on um, FX. Yeah. She had another one on TV Land. Yeah. She just turned down one that they wanted her to do. Uh, On AMC, these are are outlets that didn't exist twenty minutes ago, and it's not only actors who have more opportunities, but writers.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the feature world is now migrating to the TV world because suddenly it's cool to write for TV, and they're recognizing the value. I think, like when I think about my experience in the TV business and the gift of. The difference between the two platforms is on TV, you get to learn every week about what works and what doesn't work, about story, Mm -hmm. and so you get better. Yes, it's a a real
1: education, and what a a fun way to get educated. I agree. (laughs) No, I
0: definitely agree. Now, interesting, going into your books, because your books are so incredibly well-known and and have sold millions and... No, I'm like bow down to you. I, oh, I bless just your love heart. what what you what you write about. Um, in your book, the whole picture with regards to writers writing what they know, not from an autobiographical place, because I teach that exact same thing, but a place from emotional truth. I would I love the way you went into it in your book. Could you expand upon? Yeah, you
1: know, I didn't put yeah. it quite this way, but yeah. it occurs to me sitting right here with you today. Uh, uh, don't write what you know. Write what you feel. Right. Um, yeah, because movies, as I, I have said repeatedly, uh, are fake. There's nothing uh, more false in all of the history of civilization than a movie. I mean, movies don't even move. Everybody, even the most unsophisticated uh, viewer, knows that it's really still images one right after the other. Uh, there's just the appearance of, of motion. That's not Tony Soprano. It's James Gandolfini. He didn't right. think that up. It was written for him by David Chase and his writers, um it's fake 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 but the one part of it is totally real and that is the emotion that you feel yes if you're afraid you really are afraid yeah if you're sad you're really sad you know if somebody comes out of a tearjerker uh terms of endearment for example where a young uh, mother dies and abandons her children uh because of cancer i mean it's a heartbreaker and people come out sobbing and yeah don't you want to see that movie if, yeah. if you see people coming out of the theater sobbing. Yeah. Uh, you don't say, oh, those well, people are so sad. I don't want to have to see that. No, you you immediately cancel your next appointment and, and get in line to see that movie. You're right. Because the emotions are completely real. Yeah. And that's the reality and the, the truth yeah. that writers have to uh, seek. I see more um, scripts fail on the uh, basis of a wrongheaded uh, devotion to uh, data facts, you know, what yeah. really happened, or well, the way people really talk. Right. Well, we're at the end of our academic quarter now, our academic year. Yeah. We have, we have three uh, 10 week quarters instead of the usual semesters. And I've just finished um, uh, late last week reviewing um, eight writer scripts whom I worked with in the uh, last uh, quarter, the spring quarter. Um, and I went one on one when we were all done, uh, you know, going through the yeah. script. And one writer was saying, to, I was saying to this writer, and she had a really good story, uh, basically a strong script, but the dialogue ran on and on. And it was kind of fumfering and meandering and uh, kind of uh, characters beating around the bush and lots of vocalized pauses, um, uh, lots of you knows, I mean, and so on. And I said to her, well, you yeah, know, why not? One of my, my rules is find and make your point and move your tail. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, you can guess what she said to me. I hear it all the time. That's the way people really talk. True. That is the way people really talk. So what's wrong with the way people really talk? Two things. First of all, I'll start with second of all. We'll come back to the first of all. Uh-huh. Second of all, uh, you don't need to go to the, the Arc Light and pay $17 or whatever it is and get a parking place and get a babysitter and uh, do everything else that you have to do to hear the way people really talk, you can just step out onto the street and yes. in front of the theater and you'll hear the way people really. hey, hi, how are you? Pretty good, how are you? Not so bad. Boy, it's been hot, I hope. You know, it just goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, that's the way people really talk. So what's wrong with that um, beyond its being free? Uh, first of all, it's boring. The, yes. only, the only rule we have at UCLA is don't be, be boring. boring. And the way people really speak is kind of boring and thank yes. God for that I mean it's like my son just came back from New York uh, and I picked him up at the airport and I said how was the flight mm-hmm. and he said boring thank God I mean would you would you want uh, uh, can you imagine him saying oh it was fantastic we had a near miss at JFK it right. was terrible turbulence <laughs> Over <laughs> Illinois, and right. uh, you know, one one of the flight attendants uh, was was injured, and then we slid off the runway at LAX. It was fantastic flight, great You'd never say that. You want what I'm saying is, in your life, you want a kind of a sweet boredom. Yes. And uh, in your art, you want craziness and wild adventure yes. and excitement. That's the place to go buck naked and hog wild and crazy as a loon.
0: Right. I love it. I think that's great. And, and that goes into principle number two in the book. Screenwriters must embrace authentic self-disclosure no matter how painful as nothing less than the organizing principle of their creative life.
1: True. Well, I believe that's another way of saying that all uh, writing is, is autobiography, um, even if you're taking liberties with it. Right. And a good example is actually a guy I referred to earlier, um, a classmate of mine from USC, George Lucas. I think he's going to really make it, this guy. (laughs) Um, Francis uh, Ford Coppola told me uh, years ago that when he formed, he, Francis, formed uh, his company, uh, Zoetrope, American Zoetrope, his own film company. George was a part of that. It was before uh, George was very well established, and and Francis was more or less mentoring him. And... um, Uh, George's father was a uh, an executive at Xerox and Francis who's not above looking for a bargain asked George if he couldn't talk to his dad about getting zoetrope uh, discount in photocopy services and uh, George said uh, I don't know I I don't talk to my dad we don't get along we're really pretty estranged Um, we don't have that much to do with each other don't ever ask me to ask anything you know of my father Look at Star Wars, who is the the villain, a guy named Darth Vader, V-A-D-E-R, in Dutch means father. In German, V-A-T-E-R, w- Vater, means father, Darth Vader, dark father, I am your father. Yes. Isn't it interesting that a um, f- uh, a film with yes. a protagonist named Luke is made by a guy named Lucas? Yes. And that the evil guy, the protagonist, is uh, the father, yeah. his father. So it's keenly, deeply personal. You, yes. you know, Star Wars may seem like, a, you know, just an attempt to create a franchise, but it was a very deeply personal story for for George, and that's what everybody has to be writing. Yes. The, uh, we've been talking about worst mistakes you can make. Um, a major error that I see writers make is trying to guess the trends to right. see what should they be writing about. I was at a conference where the agents complained to me that writers were asking them, uh, I was at the Santa Barbara conference, uh, what should I be writing about now? Um, if you have to ask yes. somebody else what you should be writing about, why, I mean, if the writer doesn't care what she's writing about, why would any viewer or reader care about it? Yeah. Um, and again, what if you suggested to one of those agents that, what I really want to write about is a chemistry teacher who has cancer and goes into the meth, but they They tell you, you're crazy. Yeah. You know? So you got to... Uh, It brings me to another really important principle, which is art is not smart. It's kind of dumb. Right. I mentioned that my dad was a musician. He was a bass player. He was very, very successful. Uh, Not an electric bass, but classical. But he was also into the uh, jazz and the pop um, repertoire. He was in the Tonight Show Band for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, What was he doing his whole career? 70 years his career. Wow. And the answer is he was dragging horse hair, which is what the tail of the horse, you know, the, yeah. the bow is made out of the tail of, of a horse.
0: Yeah.
1: A hair is taken from the tails of horses. That's what a violin or a bass bow is made out of. And the strings are made of sheep gut. They are, they are the intestines of sheep. Mm-hmm. Imagine uh, making a living by dragging horse hair right. across sheep gut and uh, predicting that it would make a sound that was so beautiful yeah. that people would actually wait in this snow in line, uh, you know, to fork over hundreds of dollars uh, to hear a number of musicians do that in a chamber for a couple of hours. Yeah. It's kind of nutty. It is. So, and a, a, one of the problems we, we have at UCLA is because our writers are so smart, sometimes they outsmart themselves. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really important for writers to let themselves go and be a little crazy, be uh-huh. a little stupid, even. I uh, totally agree with roll you. Roll around in the, uh, you know, in, in, in whatever it is you roll around. Yeah. And, and get it on the page and then take a look back and start to order it and, and organize it in, in a coherent way. But don't expect ever completely to be satisfied by it. And um, uh, uh, stop trying to figure it all out in advance.
0: Yes. And I, I mean, and I love that. I agree with you. It's almost like be willing to be messy mm-hmm. before you're going to mm-hmm. put it into some kind of yes. order. I am all about that. A painter who's yes.
1: afraid of getting, you know, stains on yeah. her uh, smock yeah. know, is lost. <laughs> yes,
0: I totally agree with you. With regards, do you have any special exercises that you work with writers on with regards to mining their gold and, and really deep digging into their emotional truth?
1: It's funny, I don't, there's a lot of exercises that I really uh, try not to look down on. Yes. For example, um, but I do. Right. Uh, for example, uh, character biographies. And right. By the way, there's all kinds of different views, and I. the more the merrier, and I respect that. Yes. Uh, but again, I think character, it's easy to sit down and paint a picture of a character uh, with adjectives. Yes. She's shy, she's weary, she's betrayed, she's this, she's that. Tell me what she does and what she says, and that has to establish those, those other criteria. Yeah. So I think it can be kind of a dilettantism and um, uh, a uh, misguided use of, of uh, imagination to uh, invent characters before uh, the context of the story that they're going to inhabit is really, really created. The kinds of exercises, there's two kinds of exercises that I I do with with my students. I'm going to be doing it this summer in a course that I offer at UCLA that's open to people who aren't UCLA students. Oh, great. And it's not a lecture class. That's a, the
0: one that I've been <coughs> telling people about. Promoting. Thank you for, yes. for, spreading, good, the, for good. spreading the so word. So tell us about that. Um, yeah, let's... We,
1: uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you the a uh, uh, little bit about the class and yes. then talk about the, yeah. two of the exercises, the exercises. That we do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the class is, uh, as I say, open to um, UCLA and non-UCLA students. It's especially designed for the summer session. Mm-hmm. All prerequisites are waived. And it is appropriate for very new writers, but also experienced writers. Right. And it's not a lecture course. It meets six Monday afternoons from June 24th until the end of July mm-hmm. uh, for three hours. And it's a relatively small group. And we really, uh, there's a lot of in class writing challenges, which we'll talk about in a second to answer your question. But oh, there's also the analysis in class of in progress pages presented by the people who are the, the writers, the students in the class. Two exercises that I like to do. One is I ask them to describe the room that we're in, as you would in a screenplay. We're right. A, I actually ask them to do an exterior, which is the campus. Right. And then to imagine a movie in which it starts at UCLA. There might yeah. be an exterior shot of the campus that uh-huh. establishes the campus, and then we're in our classroom. Right. And I ask them simply, no dialogue, no character, just the wide margin description of these um uh, you know, two, two scenes, uh, the, the, the settings, the campus and then the classroom. And people go on and on and on and on and on with it yeah. about the fluorescent lighting and the, uh, oh, if, uh, the sun-dappled lawns, and one student is riding a bike and it gets a flat tire and another comes over to help and so on. Um, my preferred take on it is exterior UCLA campus. Students make their way to class. Uh, and then interior classroom, uh, fifteen students uh, uh, face their instructor. That's it. Right. Nothing about the kinds of seats, the whether there are whiteboards or blackboards. In a novel, you could go into that. Yes. Uh, so it's really about economy. It's yes. not about what you write but what you don't write. What you leave out is, is, I, is really important. I think important. that's great. The other thing is, uh, and, and again, I think that efficiency, economy, the idea is to use a little language to imply a lot of emotion and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. There's another exercise that I, I like to uh, indulge uh, the students in, and that is um, asking them to choose something they really believe in passionately and to make the opposite argument, have a character argue as a bit of dialogue against what something that you really, really believe in—what mm-hmm. you, the writer, actually believe in. Right. Uh, are you um, pro uh, uh, equal marriage? Then yes. write a, write a, something opposing that. Yes. But not joking, uh, you know. But sincerely, sincerely having a character argue against that or vice so versa. Polarity
0: having, uh, the yeah. idea
1: of being able to yeah. do what what we were talking about earlier to, to get vulnerability and yeah. and sympathy and not to make everything just just black and white. Even yeah. though I have strong positions on on you know for what it's worth I'm a, I'm a strong a fierce uh, proponent of equal marriage. Right. Um but uh, but I think a character if I had to write a uh, a character who was a an opponent of that it wouldn't be a worthy argument. If I didn't really place myself in that character's mind and try to see things the way he or she sees it, not in a way that is condemning, um, you know, open yourself up to, to stuff that uh, that horrifies you, right? And try to explain that. I, I think like
0: it, that. It I think that's a great your tip. To yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I remember there was a a, a wonderful series years ago, L.A. Law, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of UCLA students involved in that on screen. Uh, Arnie Becker, I think his name was uh, Corbin Burnson, was our student, yeah, and then a uh, uh, bunches of writers uh, working there uh, were um, were from our program. And I remember w- at one point they had a uh, a case where a um, insurance company is refusing to pay an AIDS victim. Uh, for his medical treatment, and everybody hates insurance companies, mm-hmm. and everybody feels sympathy, certainly I do, with a patient uh, with a serious disease and so on, and yet they were able to to make that dramatic by having both sides. The guys who were the insurance people, they weren't saying things like, oh, it's his tough luck. He shouldn't have done what he... No, they were saying, our heart breaks for this man. Yeah. Um, if it were up to us, we would immediately... Pay but." American society require. by the way, I don't believe in what I'm saying now, right. but the character said American society and, and progress uh, in business and in industry requires insurance, and insurance requires pooled risk. And if you just give away money to anybody you feel sorry for, all of society will will collapse. So, yeah. so they're not—that's nonsense, by <laughs> right. the way, but it's believable in the context of the show. Yes. And it makes the character— seem somehow human right. and, and even humane even though yes. he's denying a, a uh, you know a, a patient medical uh, support for the medical uh, issues that he has Yeah. so that is uh, helpful i think to do that to stretch and reach and even do it politically if you support one candidate and oppose yes. the other candidate try to make up a, a sincere argument against On your the other own side beliefs. of it i, I think love it's, that. it's just like a physical that exercise challenges where you stress you. your body yeah. and you push weights and you you do whatever it is that you do.
0: That's great. I love that. Speaking, you know, when I think about your students and all the tremendous success that they have, going into their writing, would you say you recognize early on the potential? Would you say, have you ever been surprised by someone who makes it in a massive way, who, who maybe you're just surprised at the growth that happened.
1: I'm surprised every day, yeah. and and more often than not, much more often than not, quite pleasantly. Yeah, we do in, enjoy an embarrassment of riches at UCLA. We right, have, we have. Uh, uh, it's easier to get into the Harvard medical schools and into our program. Wow. Um,
0: I have heard it's like you well, even I mean, with a the 4.6, you are not getting into UCLA.
1: <laughs> we, we get uh, many hundreds of applications, yeah. and it's a daunting application, so there's very little uh, – there's a lot of self-selection. Yeah. In other words, people don't apply who aren't serious. Also, yeah. there's a big fee that you're charged. Yeah. So it's not like you cavalierly check off the – box top and send it in. Yeah. So I would say out of the, the 400 applications we got last year, and we only have about two dozen. For the dozen, film school. F- not for the film school, for the screenwriting program.
0: Screenwriting program. Okay.
1: Um, and we admit about two dozen. Like okay. Four hundred, oh, wow. so do the math. We're, right. we're talking about one in 14 or one yeah. in 15. Yeah. Uh, out of the hundreds of applications, there might be six or eight that are just no good. All the rest are pretty good. And right. There are 150 that are blindingly good, and we'll only interview about 75, half of those, and only admit a third of those. Yeah. Uh, So we see very few people, um, you know, and the the most important criterion for admission is the writing sample. Yeah. So nobody gets in who isn't already a good writer, well-known to us because we've read her or him. Right. Um, But yes, I am amazed at how they are able to get it. Um, And what it is, more often than not, is, Learning to throw away, not falling in love with something that you tried out uh, and trying to save it. Yeah. Um, but again, not not even... I like to say that maturing as a writer is not merely learning to throw away, but learning to love to throw away. Yeah. Um, I've reached the point now, and I don't think there are any shortcuts you just have to be at in a long time, Yeah. where, um, you know, in my last book, for example, I would... Uh, highlight on my computer in the final draft bunches of paragraphs and then hit the writer's greatest friend the delete key yeah and see the whole thing vanish and instead of I mean a substantial portion this maybe, is essentials and screenwriting yeah yeah and and uh yes yeah. essentials and screenwriting screenwriting yeah. all my books yeah and I um and but instead of of um, feeling, oh, God, you know, what a waste that was. I w- wrote all of that stuff, and now I'm just throwing it away. Now I'm actually pleased to throw it away, glad that yeah. the editor won't see it, glad yeah. that readers won't suffer through it. And I've also come to realize that it's not a waste. I needed to do that to see that I didn't need that. Yes. You can't intellectualize about it and calculate. Yeah. You know, we we uh, intellect uh, has a very, very important place in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, really critically important but art is not that place Art yeah. is not about the head it's not about thinking it's about the heart it's about yeah. feeling and and it's about feeling intensely and passionately i
0: think there's something very empowering i know i have a new book coming out july 1st and i had to thank you and uh change your story change your life so it's a it's a book that Great is title. more thank you going into the idea of like, after your life takes a turn, you have two choices. you can fall victim to the turn or be an active hero in your own story. And it really is, which my publishers, Michael Weezy Productions, taught me, mm-hmm. um, that I at first it was eighty five thousand words. So I wound up cutting twenty five thousand mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. And and what helped me with that process of cutting, which goes into what you were saying, was was Michael and Geraldine, his wife, Geraldine Overton, helping me see that, that essentially there were two ideas going on in there. One was the idea of spiritual change. The other idea was the idea of a story expert teaching people how to be the author of their life and creator of their destiny. And they wanted it more streamlined toward that. And just like conceptualizing that and bringing it down to the bare bones really helped the process of being able to cut twenty-five thousand words it sounds you know?
1: wonderful i can't yeah. wait to see ah, it I mean, thank it, you it, you're preaching to the I, uh, the, the choir yes uh, we
0: we are in alignment I, with yeah, our thinking and not i only feel are, honored are too
1: many movies too long but too yes. many books are too long yes i agree with you um it's uh, uh, i agree with you it, it really is amazing to me i mean we I, I sort of understand why we've all we're all trained yeah Um, to write too much. We're trained by our uh, teachers and by our parents. We did this with our own children. Um, You know, a a second grader Mm -hmm. writes a coherent sentence you praise, that you cheer, that the teacher does and we do. Um, And that's a proper thing to do. Right. uh, To make good writing associated with pleasure and and reward. But by the time we're in college and beyond, we have so used to getting uh, rewarded for writing a lot that we we write too much and you have to really reverse that. Yeah. I I, I like to compare it to uh, having grown up back east where we had winters that were cold and icy when you're driving on ice. Yeah. um, If you're uh, skidding to the left you actually have to steer to the left to get out of that but how many times have we um, steered to the left and it went further to the left we see it to the right it goes to the right so we're trying to yeah. go the other way. You step on your brake, the wheels stop, but the car doesn't stop. So yeah. you break, break, step harder on that brake, Yeah, we're so, uh, even though it can't do anything other than stop the wheels, if yeah. you want to stop the car in that instance, you've got to get off the brake yeah. to get traction. But that's yeah. the opposite of what you've been doing every time that you've been driving. Yeah. I mean, between here, uh, your studio, and, and the campus where I just came, it's probably about um, eight miles. Yeah. And I'll bet you that I um, made subconsciously 1,500 decisions or maybe 3,000 coming right. here, move to the left, go here without really right. thinking about it. But every time I move the car a little bit to the left, goes to the left, move it a little to the right, goes to the right, millions upon millions of times over years of driving, suddenly you're on ice and you have to do the opposite yes. of that. Yeah. And likewise, with your writing, you've yes. been told for for decades... Um, that it's impressive to have a thick paper to thump on the professor's desk, when in fact uh, a handful of pages that yes. went right to the point of it yeah. would be much more effective. Uh, you know, in in scholarship and in art.
0: I agree with you. I love the editing process mm-hmm. for that sense because there's something so freeing that you could say so much in so little mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I feel like for me as a, a writer and author, it that's where growth is. That's where, where we learn how to say more in a much, much less time. And, and you know, there's a gift in it.
1: Mm-hmm. There is. I hear I will sit with a writer as I was this yeah. past week and, and uh, with a bunch of writers, and I'll say, well, why, why do you need this scene? And the writer will go, well, that I've already heard enough just in the tone, you don't yes. need that scene. Yeah. Uh, the answer that would justify the scene would be, Marilyn was how to be at the bank so that you would know about the, you know, there had, need to be some, yes. some real hard-boiled answer that you had the the immediately at your fingertips. Yeah. If you have to think about it, that you, then you don't need it. And I like to say, if in doubt, throw it out. Yeah. You don't need to be sure that you uh, yeah. don't need something. You need to be sure that you need something. If you're unsure, then you don't need that. You don't need that line of dialogue. Yeah. You don't need that character. You don't yeah. need that scene.
0: I agree. No, that's excellent advice. All right, so for our last question, and then I want you to give a little more information on the class that you're teaching as well. Sure. We'll get more into details on that. So if you were to think about three things that make the difference between a non-working writer and a working writer, what would you say?
1: Three, that's a... I know. It's, uh, the the first thing is that um, working writers appreciate, even the most successful among them, that there is no such thing as steady work, and well, I always tell my students, "Don't spend the money when you get when you get the money." God is watching, and she has a sense of humor. She'll yank that plug, that rug out from under you the moment that you, you start to take it for granted. Um, so, so first of all, be in it for the for the long run. Uh, don't uh, uh, expect to e- establish yourself, and then it, it gets easy. It never get it, it never gets easy. Yeah. Um, Wow. Uh, <laughs> Philip Roth, front page of the New York Times, was saying how uh, uh, he, he's giving it up after 32 novels or something. Uh, at age 80, uh, he says it's humiliation and it's degradation. This is Philip Roth. Wow. You've got to be in it for the long run. You, uh, if you're discouraged easily, this, this, is, this is not for you. Think, yeah. uh, second of all, uh, again, professionals understand what we said earlier, that it's not about anything except story, what people want to uh, see as a great story. Advertising campaigns do not sell movies. Uh, Stars do not sell movies, especially today. Uh, They can help make movie deals, but they uh, can't get audiences to the movie. I say especially today because it used to be a, a Tom Cruise could open for the weekend, but now Friday night, everybody's tweeting and and mm-hmm. texting. Forget this one; You're it's right. a turkey, yeah. so they can't even get you through the uh, the weekend. When you go uh, recommend to somebody a movie that that you, you just saw that you want to see, it, you do that because it's a great story. Yeah, and likewise, somebody starts to tell you the story of this movie, and that's what makes you you want to see it. So you got to remember that it's it's really. Um, uh, all about story. Yeah. And finally, I think that professionals understand what amateurs don't, um, and that is, I, it, it's on my mind because I just saw the Rolling Stones a couple of weeks ago. Can't yeah. get no right. satisfaction.
0: Right. Stop
1: yeah. trying to feel good about your work. Yeah. Um, I had the experience of meeting uh, Julius Epstein, who wrote uh, "Rest is Dead Now," but. He wrote, among other things, Casablanca. And I said to him, how exciting to meet you. Or, you know, all I or any of my film phony pals ever hoped for is once we should touch something as great as uh, Casablanca. And he said, instead of, oh, thanks a lot, nice of you to say that, uh, uh, he's a writer, so instead he said, ah, Casablanca, Blanca, they screwed that up. He had this Brooklyn, you know, he lived out here in California for about yeah. 70 years. but He never lost that Brooklyn draw. He said, they, uh, they screwed that up. He didn't say screwed, by the right. way. Um, uh, you know the scene where, that was supposed to be such Here he is griping and carping yes. and complaining um, about how they messed up his movie. What movie? Casablanca. Right. Uh, you know, oh, I, could, I wish somebody should mess up my movie like they messed up Casablanca. So you got to look forward, not back. Yes. They asked Woody Allen. I saw in an interview with Woody Allen. Uh, yeah. He said... Um, Tell, tell me when you look back on your early movies, he said, stop. What's the matter? I don't look back on my early movies what well, you've never out of curiosity run uh, uh, Annie Hall or Manhattan to take a peek you know, 30, 40 years later. he said, no, never, not once. I would no sooner do that than I would eat dirt, you know, with a spoon from the, from the ground, you know And they said, well, why not?" He said, "cause I hate everything that I did. All I see is mistakes. Uh, things that I wish I had done differently, uh, you know. Goldman, William Goldman, um, whom you mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, also write. You know his famous statement from his uh, adventures in the sc- in the screen trade that everybody always quotes is nobody knows nothing. And, right. Um, which is certainly true. But my favorite quote from the book is I hate everything I've written. Right. He's in a meeting with uh, Sidney Pollack, rest his soul, and um, they with a producer. At lunch, yeah, and they can't sell. He, they just—it's just not working. Yeah. the money guy isn't going for it. And to Goldman's horror, he sees that Sidney pulls the script out of you know a, a folder that he has, and is going to read from it. You know, to show him. And 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 Goldman is just dying because, as he says, "I hate everything I've ever written." Hearing somebody else read it in a, in a booth in a restaurant, you know, um, so. Stop tra- trying to, to 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 again be really really satisfied, to be whole, to be complete. You gotta. There's a certain amount of pain, uh, and yes. you just have to accept that. And if you can't accept it, you should do something else. You should not go in into yeah. this.
0: That is excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So why don't you give us more information as far as how can people.
1: So yeah, you know, the, get uh, into
0: your program if
1: you want to, and, and and it will uh, sell out. Um, it is limited enrollment, so it's not too soon. Uh, and I'm not sure of of uh, uh, the contact info, so I'm going to give my own email address. Good. And if anybody will email Love me, it. I will forward it to the. Great. I will I will send them the link that will give them all the information about the class and also enrollment. Uh, Information and my email is quite simple. It's R Walter. My name is Richard Walter, and it's R W A L T E R R Walter at T F T, which stands for Theater Film Television. T like Tom, F like Frank, T like Tom. Rich R Walter at T F T dot U C L A dot E D U. Simple as that. Anybody uh, delighted if anybody wants to email me about that, and I can uh, you know forward it on to whoever uh, ought to get it, or I'll just sent out the link myself
0: excellent you are fantastic i love what you do with writers and for writers and the gift that you have and that you share with so many and i'm so so grateful for your time thank you so much and i'm very excited for the audience to hear all of the great information
1: you well, gave... you keep on doing what you're doing, you... and uh, here's wishing every success with the release of the book, which is Aww, soon. Thank uh, you. That's exciting thank and, you. and commendable, and I am uh, eager to get my hands on Aww,
0: it. Thank you very much.
1: Weezy uh, is is doing the best work in in uh, books yes. about uh, film art. Yeah, it, it's just amazing. It uh, is amazing. What a resource he's become. God yes. bless him.
0: Michael is and when I talk about gift. Michael is Michael Weezy, so everyone knows my publisher. Michael, first of all, his new book, Onward and Upward, Yes, brilliant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, it was fascinating. I picked up the book, and I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting, an autobiography and in a world where it's really all about how do you write something that the audience gets what's in it for them and in autobiographies are becoming much more difficult. Yes. Michael wrote his book in such a way and it's everything both you and I talk about that is drawing from your authentic self in your emotional truth and he puts it all out there and it's all about the idea of of the um the journey into making a dream happen and being one of the biggest publishers of mm-hmm. entertainment how-to books in the world. Mm-hmm. Amazing. A lot like you and that he has experienced these people these names that are mind blowing and traveled the world and gone on these experiences and lived this life yes. and there's there's such a gift in that so yeah no, I'll, I'll tell it Michael you said so please He's, do you yeah. know I ordered the book yeah. and
1: then it, I got an email saying there was a something it wouldn't take the credit card then I got an email back saying that there was a problem, a glitch, oh. uh, and I'm gonna I have to try it again. All right. Uh, yes, please do. I, You'll I, love uh, it. I am dying to read it. I, I have such I couldn't put it down.
0: Him. Yeah, I loved it. Um, so big shout out to Michael Weezy. So um, so thank you very much for saying that, and thank you for coming. And I'm excited for all of you to learn from Richard in his class if you're lucky enough to get in it and have that experience. Um uh, that would be fantastic. Um, let's see, any upcoming events. Uh, the only thing I have upcoming with, for for those of you who are in Israel and listening in Israel, we will be doing the TV Writers Summit in Israel from June 29th through July 2nd. Uh, it's myself, Ellen Sandler, Chad Gervich, and Troy DeVoyd, and we are very, very excited. To meet all of you writers in Israel and hear your stories, and then the next thing I have coming up will be the Story Expo, which isn't until September, and I will give you more information on that in the future. I want to thank Richard Walter for for giving us this valuable information and time. And uh, this is Jen Grisanti of Storywise Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: You've been listening to Storywise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jenngrisanteconsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Bruiser Productions. This podcast was recorded at the studios of Icebox Logic.